Welcome to the conversation. This is Gretchen. And hi, I'm Christy. And this is Conversations to Connect. You're listening to episode 32, where we will be starting a new series, Amplifying Black Voices. Christy had the opportunity to talk with someone who was one of her co, what would you call it? Not nominees, but co-electees. Sure. <laughs> for the well, Pittsburgh Magazine's 40 Under 40. her She was nominated, right? We've talked about that. Christy was nominated. And you met Ashley through that process, yeah. right? And actually, so they have this photo shoot, and it was like a real crazy, like, shit show. <laughs> like, <laughs> we get there, and, like, the building was not air-conditioned, and they had these huge fans, and we weren't, like, quite sure what to do or where to go. So yeah. it was really funny because we had just finished, and in passing, like Ashley was going in next. So we just had a very brief encounter, but I absolutely loved her from like the very moment that I met her. Her energy is just amazing. And she is one of the kindest, most compassionate people that I know. Yeah. So I'm so excited to have her on. Um, we had talked several times about having her and actually her husband, Dante, was scheduled, remember when... Um, we were still doing COVID the, started. yeah, the yeah, men's we mental, the health. mental health. And he was the next person. And we were like, um, probably not a good idea meeting in person right now. <laughs> right. So I'll be excited to have him on because they're just, they're an amazing couple. Ashley is very involved with politics. So yes. she has a podcast herself. Black Political uh, Millennials. Black Political Millennials. And I always try to put young in there. Um, no, just Black Political yeah. Millennials. And she's super involved in the community. And she said that the first time somebody suggested that she run for um, school board, she was like, oh, I didn't even consider that. But I like to talk. And So like, maybe that's a good fit. Yes. And it was it's such a good fit. And like I said, she's an amazing friend. She's an amazing mom. Um, so well, I've never met her. But just listening to the two of you guys talk, she sounds like an amazing person. So I know that everyone's gonna love the the chat that the two of you had. Yes. Yeah, so enjoy. We're here to keep it real. Keep my name's Christy. And so so excited to have my very good friend, Ashley. Coleman. Yes, yes. Welcome to the conversation. <laughs> I guess I could give a little, a quick background. Ashley and I met in the fall last year. Yeah, November. Well, I guess a little before November because we met, was it after pictures for 40 Under 40? It was actually at the photo shoot. Because I remember it. I was like, I met you literally for two seconds and I was like, I love her. <laughs> Just your energy is amazing. So Thank you. wanted to have Ashley on and kind of like, what we were just recently sharing was that nationally there's been this kind of share the mic movement, opening up platforms to have honest conversations. And I want to be here to talk about whatever comes up. So, handing <laughs> it'll, off. It'll be a lot. Oh man, I, I can so talk. I love to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, um, I can just literally let her do her thing because she's amazing. So, here we are. Mm-hmm. You are so sweet. So... I'm so excited to do this episode with you. Podcasting in general, for me, I'm realizing has become very freeing. Like, I feel very free in a space to be able to podcast. Yeah. Motorcycle. That was a great, like, sound effect. That's how I feel when I get the podcast. Just out there. Yeah, because, you know, it's the internet is is a space where you can, you know, for the most part, put out whatever you feel you want to express and 
I've I feel been like able to. A lot to express. There is, and I've been able to, you know, be exposed to a lot of podcasts. I'll say, it started for me in like 2016. Mm-hmm. I actually, the first podcast I really got into was "My Taught You" by Malik Teal. Mm-hmm. I just that podcast for me has just been very personally um, helpful, and being able to navigate in a lot of spaces as a black woman but not needing to navigate like my presence is stating that clearly that I'm a black woman I don't need to say that in any space so you know it was good to hear another woman that I felt so personally connected to through her sharing herself she shares herself and how she navigates you know she even really was big she's big on therapy like I I think she might have really helped me also look at therapy in a different way and how it's not something you do because you have a problem. It's something that you should just do. That podcast really got me into it. I, when I hated my job, I sat and listened to that podcast all day long and worked on myself and things that I wanted for myself. And now, whew, it's 2020, you know. And you have a podcast. I have a podcast. I, my husband has a podcast. And um, my husband is actually the the spark to get me to start my podcast and I I'm so thankful for him that's why he's my person I was gonna but, say you just light up every time you talk about him and I just love that yeah you guys are a special kind of couple can you t- say the name of his podcast yes his podcast is straight to the league he does it with two friends and they've been doing it since 2017 when they first started out you know like I'm I have a media background, so a lot of the things with production, you know, I'm, I help Dante with. And I also, I write. So a lot of the things that they may need in a sense of writing, um, I assist with. Yeah, I'm really proud of them for what they've been able to build with their podcast. And so he was like, you know, I'm, I'm really into politics. You know, I formerly served on school board in Wilkinsburg. Uh, and um, I am very passionate about the way politics moves our, you know, country, our world. And um, I feel like especially now, I know I'll refer to the pandemic probably like a million times. Because we're in but, a pandemic. Right? <laughs> Let us remind everybody, especially in Pittsburgh, who's on the road going wherever you're going. Yes. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, and there's too many people outside right now. Like, go <laughs> home. Like, I was expecting to just easily get Roll here. Poor woman got no food. <laughs> No, but I have snacks (laughs) and a margarita. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) we have the essentials. But yeah, this pandemic has really opened people's eyes, at least myself, Mm -hmm. to be like, oh, they're the governor of what state? Oh, wait a minute. States can govern themselves. Thank God, right? So I think that for me, like my anxiety went down when we stopped looking at the federal level and started looking at the state level. And I so appreciate that you do your podcast because I don't I think that a lot of people don't have the time to like do that kind of legwork but they're they can be really passionate about different things that they want to support so yes. I feel like your podcast black political political millennials, millennials. I always get the, that one me too I've actually when black I'm typing because I do like acronym BPM and sometimes I'll do like BMP or something like I'll just mix it up like no no but black political millennials. Yes, but it's a it's a great podcast. You and yes. are you guys friends? You yeah, with guy. yeah. So we met we met years ago through a, a mutual acquaintance, and we just were consistently 
in line with a lot of the work that we support. And like I said, my husband called him. I didn't even like plan this up. Like my husband literally called him and told him about it. And then after he talked to him, then he called me and was like, okay, so I talked to Martel and I think y'all should do a podcast and he's down. And I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, politics, black, you know, political millennials. And I was like, oh, okay you know both martell and i were black we're political and we're millennials it just it seems like a great name yes and so um we started it because a lot of what especially with what we're going through right now you know we are literally living through an uprising that Mm -hmm. is going to change the future of how this country is operating and it that's major Mm -hmm. so there's that part but we started this this past october so this was before there was even a pandemic this didn't just come about because we're in a pandemic we were already in a space of like look we the way we make changes and the way we get things the way we need them to be for us is by getting us into positions of power which in that word i mean elected positions Mm -hmm. those folks are put there by people Mm -hmm. whether there's a big participation or not people are putting them there and then they're making decisions that we all have to abide by and so if we don't like those decisions we need to be in those positions ourselves and the way you also do that is engage people in conversation that they never felt was meant for them Mm -hmm. you know i don't think i you know I probably wasn't really big into politics until President Obama ran for office. I was in college, you know, I was majoring in journalism. And so that was like a big moment. Um, I actually got to intern at the former American Urban Radio Network that was in the old Whammo election night. But, you know, that's when I was like, you know what, he's talking to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I was engaged from there. I feel like that was a huge time because for me, I was recently out of college and like newly married and it was just, it became like such a passion of mine. And I just remember like watching his speeches and really like feeling connected. And then just, I had this hope for people coming together to be like more community involved. And it seems like that didn't really happen. So I don't know, like, and I feel like now is the time where it's like, okay, wait a minute. If we're going to do this for real, like, there has to be a lot of action behind that. Yes. But I do, like, interesting, when you were in journalism, do you mind talking about, like, um, we were talking about Wendy Bell. Wendy Bell. (laughs) I mean, because I think it's important for people to understand, I think that white people especially are now really listening to, like, man, what would that experience be like if I was black? And feeling like this sense of people ask like well what do people really talk about in therapy because that's what's on their mind and that's not what they're like saying out on the street or to other people and a general theme for a lot of people I feel like is just a ton of guilt almost to the point of being like I don't deserve every anything that I have and mm. how dare I like enjoy life like this is terrible and it's like um, <laughs> it's not that well, if you get into that space that's not going to help the actionable steps and I think a lot of people are confused about things so that's why I'm so excited to have you here that we can like yeah talk through it I mean it's different for everyone you know I think in a sense of like you know when we talk about our Wendy Bells of the country because there's a bunch of them you know or Karens if we want to use the term that we are familiar with it's frustrating you know I I think for me it's even more frustrating because of my background in media I have a personal um, experience of 
interacting and engaging with uh, Wendy Bell in particular. And at the time I was appreciative of it. She was nice to me. She opened up her space to allow me to see um, what goes into working in that industry. And so at the time I, I was very appreciative of it. But after I had graduated from school and I was actually out working, like looking for work and getting to work, um, it wasn't the same relationship. Mm. And so- In what kind of way? It was kind of like a dismissive, mm. you know, like, she didn't act like she didn't remember me and maybe she didn't, but then she was like dismissive once I reminded her of how we knew each other. Mm -hmm. You know, it's easy. Like what you just, you just keep it moving right. when those kind of things happen. Like, oh, well that's the nature of the business, you know. You talked before about like how you were raised and you were raised to like have your shit together. Oh and, like, yeah. be like running the show and like you still run the show, which is like, <laughs> so funny to me that people are like oh Ashley let me help you yeah <laughs> I mean good. that yeah and in that so one morning I had uh shadowed her and mm -hmm. when I showed up at the uh tv station you know I knew to like be dressed and I had this suit in high school that I just loved <laughs> it was I mean it was this pink tool not tool it was like a woven type fabric but it was pink and these gray and pink pinstripe pants it was real faint like a real pastel pink and you know like I was I was head to toe on point like I could have went on camera <laughs> that day but you know I showed up ready and I think you know that can take some people back because they don't expect because you see me this you know young black girl that you know works at a restaurant which I was the only black girl that worked at this particular restaurant which wasn't a deal like I actually loved that job the restaurant's now closed, but I would see her every, you know, her family would come in every week, they would eat dinner, and you know, it was a consistent, um, you know, like the, like just things that people do. So it, I was always there like working because yeah. I worked Fridays and said, you know, I'm in high school, this is my little sad job so I can get my nails done because my mom wouldn't pay for them. It's like, I'm not paying for you to get your nails done. You need, if you wanna do that, you need to get a job. So I had a little sad job where I made a little bit of money you know, it was it was an interesting interaction because I worked there and that's what her family did. And I knew who she was. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is Wendy Bell. Like, you know, I watched <laughs> She's the news. Famous. Yes, <laughs> like I want to do what she does. So super cool. I I loved you know every. It was always good. Like it was. I I never. Well, she was really like an iconic name. Yeah, and, and like, then she when was out there, and then the Wilkinsburg shooting happens, and then it's like, oh. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's not how this works. Like, you can't, you can't look and think of people in that way and then believe that you are still, like, you, you are well-meaning. Right. Like, that's not well-meaning. Pittsburgh. Can you say specifically what that was? So everybody's... Specifically, she wrote on her Facebook a long status about her assumptions on what the shooters look like. They're probably, you know, young African-American men with living with a single mother and just very so stereotypical. Yeah. Right off the yeah. She posted it on her like employer page, like on her like verified account. And it was like, whoa, lady. Well, I feel like, and you 
like describing we all know like these people like the Karens of the world like these people have people that are listening to them. You know what I mean? It's not just like isolated pockets. No, it's there. not isolated. Yes, it is. It is very normal to say mm-hmm. the least. As as bad as that sounds, maybe some some people don't. It's not like intentional. They just can't help it. Mm-hmm. I do think there's that too. Well, in Pittsburgh, especially, I know you and I have had this conversation before. It's easy to navigate your way around. Like, I would, and tell me if I'm wrong about this, like, I would classify Pittsburgh as probably pretty segregated. Mm-hmm. Just by the, the nature of nobody Pittsburgh crosses is very bridges, segregated. nobody goes through tunnels. tunnels, and, like, that's, like, a known fact of that Pittsburgh. That is. And, and then, so, yeah, like when, transportation, public transportation. Absolutely. Well, and then when people don't have a lot of diversity in their day-to-day lives they Mm -hmm. just go about their lives Mm -hmm. and it's not ill intention and like you said like a lot of it is like very subtle things that um i know uh my sister and i are both social workers so i always say like that kind of talks to the house that we were raised in and our parents never said any bad things about black people but like there's this uncle and then there's this person but some people's parents did and like even now, my sister and I just roll our eyes because my mom's the type of person that just wants to know things. So she'll say something and we're like, oh, that was kind of racist. Mm-hmm. And she's like, why? And then you give a little bit of information. And she's like, but I saw that on the news. And I'm like, yeah. And the media That's is a part there. of the problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about some of that, too, because mm-hmm. here in Pittsburgh, I feel like we're, we're really fighting an uphill battle because we have to, at some like white people need to seek out spaces where they can you know be supportive and i think that that's another and learn yeah that's another thing that comes up in therapy too Mm -hmm. of this well i just keep seeing like people don't like nobody wants my help the black community doesn't want my help it's like yeah there's a difference between not wanting your help and accepting your support like you can support black businesses you can educate yourself. You can have these conversations. There are so many things you can do rather mm-hmm. than throw your hands up and be like, well, mm-hmm. there's just that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And I see that being different now, which is why like, I had somebody ask me, do you feel hopeful? And I do. Like At first, I didn't. But I do like now. I'm optimistic. Yes. I think it's hard for me to be hopeful, but I'm definitely optimistic. And I'm optimistic in ways because... I had a friend, she sent me this video of this uh, girl, don't know her name, but she was basically speaking at some public forum and she said about, you know, she used the term Karens because she was addressing white women who don't want to educate themselves. And she was like, you watch the news and we're on the front lines, you know? And that's the difference. Right. It's just easy, like you said, to stay in your comfort, especially Mm -hmm. when you don't want to... It's not even about being feeling guilty. It's just more so like, damn, that was that was fucked up, mm-hmm. you know. And I can't, you know, you can't change it. But like, okay, from today forward, do better. Mm-hmm. Do do better. That's right. that's really real. The do better, and like, quit killing us. Like, quit killing black people. Like, I I think it's the most basic. You would think it didn't need to be an ask, right. but. Well, Raymond Brooks, like, my God, like, just, and that, and that's the thing, too, because even white males are, like, the way that I've talked to cops, the way that, the shit that I've gotten away with, like, just because I'm white, like, 
those conversations are starting to happen now, which never really, people would just like not even say that, but like for people to really be affected by that, because from a mental health standpoint, okay, so like I work with the deaf community and we've talked about oppression and language barriers and all of this. So I would go in as an interpreter sometimes with the resolve. I don't know if I ever told you this, but I would go in with um, not just resolve, but um, the police. They would say, this is a deaf person, which they don't always do. And they beat on that, like, and, or just let them go. Like it's one extreme or another, either we're really going to like mistreat you or we're just going to let you go because we don't want to deal with you or your language barriers. So I have been called in a couple of times and a hundred percent of the times that I was involved, the situation escalated by the use of like force, the way people were being talked to. And then like as a social worker slash interpreter, it's like, no, my job here is just to like interpret the words that are happening. And it would be heartbreaking because it's like, it doesn't have to be this way. You don't have to talk to them this way. Like you by and large, and I get it. Like I really get it's a dangerous job, but mental health on those front lines Mm -hmm. isn't talked about. And like when I worked at Presley Ridge, we would have daily briefings with our supervisors because they would say the things that you're carrying from working in this job, we don't want you to go home and like beat on your dog or your wife. Or like, how can you have such a job and be expected to take so much on and just like keep on going? Like it's, it's a mental health crisis really across the board. It is that, and it is also just, just, I mean, the whole system is just trash, so. Totally. You know, being a police officer is definitely a hard, I, I have, I'm friends with police officers, I, I get that, but also, you choose to be a police officer, so that is a mm-hmm. choice to you know now if we were talking about the draft and things like that like yeah. that's a different conversation but like we're that is way before my time right. and being a police officer you take on a responsibility to protect people and not to go in don't don't if you a punk don't be a cop there's where we start okay so you have six months of training and then you don't get paid that much money who do you think is like going to be you recruited? get what you pay for you, you pay for and this generational speaking of like just protect your own like look at the catholic priests like we just move them to a different church Mm -hmm. like don't yeah that's fine Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like the same concept and idea because yeah i too know police officers that are real like they are there to protect and to serve and Mm -hmm. it's the silence that's like people getting punished the um nypd 12 you familiar with that the the police officer that came out because he was saying, as I got older, I think he lived in Brooklyn, he said, as I got older, I noticed I was being targeted more and I needed to understand like where this was coming from because it wasn't just white cops. And once he got in, he quickly realized that he was not promoted. People weren't promoted unless they had certain numbers. And like, when I thought about that, I was like, yeah, we would always say like, oh, must be the end of the month. Like people are getting pulled over. They've got to make their quota. Well, this guy said in New York, specifically it was you had to get so many numbers and that by the end of the month you could see the cops were like getting anxious because they didn't have their numbers and it was tied to you couldn't take time off which details you got like so messed up and so like his point was so when these officers were leaving to go out on their shift they were looking for numbers 
people weren't people. They were like, I need this number. And like, that's dehumanizing. That's crazy. It's crazy. And it makes sense to be, like why that's happening. And it needs to stop. Like, what is the quota even for? I don't know. And then don't get started on like all the, the layers of policing that you have in, in a community. You know, you have... You have areas where not only do you have your city police, you have maybe university police, and then you have county police, and then you have state police. Like, I mean, we are policed out, right? You know, and well, and does that ever work with anybody? Like, if you beat your dog, you know what I mean. If if you're looking to treat somebody with loving compassion and really truly understand them, you can change behavior. If you come in with like, and I saw that, like when I worked at Presley Ridge. My graduate research project was, could we reduce restraints by rewarding the kids with behavior contracts? And the conclusion was, you can reduce restraints if you reward the staff. Like, which staff are escalating people? Which staff let more things go? Like, if you're excusing somebody's behavior based on somebody who's in a position of less power, it's just not fair. Yep. It's happening, you know. I've, I've been getting a lot of updates, too, about a lot of the police reform that is coming out, you know, across the country. Just the fact we were talking about different jobs that are now becoming available, it's... Yeah. yeah. It's... Come on, Pittsburgh. It's definitely... Every way we think about policing now needs to change. Do you think that being able to look at the example of Camden is a good place to start? And how, like, that changed? Or what are your thoughts Um. So I read something about Camden... I mean, any change to reform, I'm going to, you know, however you want to start. But I mean, I can't even, I have just so many different thoughts. I mean, just something as simple as like uh, tracking of officers who've been fired. Like something as like, how the hell do you leave one police because you were doing things that were harming people and you go somewhere else and you get a job like you're going to not do the exact same thing, if not worse. I'm hopeful when anybody can, you know, start things before it's, I don't want to say it's trendy because it's necessary, but Mm -hmm. before like this pressure now, because we're in the middle of an uprising, because people are tired for the changes to happen. I also think the pandemic really opened that up because now everybody has had this experience of your rights being taken away, what some people would say. Like, mm-hmm. but really what we're trying to do is protect our communities. Mm-hmm. So when people get out of like their selfish mindset for a second, anxiety and depression is at an all time high right now. It always was, but people have lost their coping skills. They've lost their communities, their families, and just really been left to deal with the reality shit. of the shit that we live in. And so I feel like now is definitely the it's the perfect storm Mm -hmm. you know it's the perfect storm of so many things happening at once and being forced to pay attention to it because you can't you can't go shopping and ignore it Mm -hmm. you know you can't go play sports and they canceled base not baseball hockey season uh nba like everything has been just stopped and so but while everything is stopping, black folks are still getting murdered, you know? And so to to anyone in a position of leadership or elected, you know, roles to have any kind of 
condemning of people who are protesting right now is just kind of like, well, what else do you expect? Mm-hmm. And are you going to listen now? Right. And it's, it is, you know, I just had a conversation with friends. I've always been proud to be a black woman, but right now I am so proud. Like I am like, I'm, I'm even more ready to be less, you know, palatable if that's the word like yeah i am just very like you are going to get whatever you get and whatever like you know whatever comes out my mouth like i'm i'm a respectful person but also respect is earned you don't just you don't get to dog and you know tread and walk on me and expect that i'm always going to come back at you with some kind of reservation you know there's just been there have just been so many things that have that have come out since George Floyd, you know, and let's not even talk about how many people have been murdered since George Floyd mm-hmm. because there's been hundreds. You know, that that was it. That I mean Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, I mean that and we're still talking about Breonna because you know, the people that the, the officers that killed her were are were still free. One has been arrested, but that's just one. Mm-hmm. You know, why are they still out here free? Why? Right. That these things are just no, no longer acceptable. And I not th- that they should have ever. You know what I mean? But I feel like people don't pay attention. It's like, okay, well, and people will look at like a story and be like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. That's sad. Up, oh, moving along my day. Or like, and like you said, hundreds. Like, we don't get the news from other cities if unless you're like really paying attention mm-hmm. or people like forget names and that's why I think like Black Lives Matter is so important for people to get behind because it's like you're saying it doesn't matter by not like and I'll I will even be challenging to and maybe some white people just stop talking to me about these things because they just know I'm gonna be like oh well what about this person which person and it's like you forgot about that or like you didn't Pay yep. enough attention to even hear about it, yep. or um, yep. what was his name, Khalif Browder, Browder. Mm-hmm. and people that like I will purposefully bring that up, and people are like, "Who? Like you don't like exactly this poor boy was horrifically tortured by the system, and and that's why talking about systems, like I just go down to like the human level, like in any of these situations as a human, how do you stand by and like let this happen? Yeah. Jane Elliott, she's still my favorite, you know, when she, you know, she has done a lot of good work with her blue-eyed, brown-eyed um, experiment, but, because um, that's what she's most known for, but she had a room full of white people, and she asked, how many of you would be willing to be treated the same way as uh, your fellow black peers? Mm-hmm. How would you, who wants to be treated the same way? And the room was quiet and, and like, stuck. Not one person stood up. And she's like, you all must not have heard me. Stand up if you... So if you don't want that for yourself, why are you okay with it being that way for other people? And she's a white woman she's talking a, to a white audience. Mm-hmm. And I remember that video. And the one of the saddest things to me is it had to be, like, what late 80s early 90s like this is not new which is part of like i don't know people like certain people will be like oh why is everybody so angry 
hello, like, well, Colin Kaepernick knelt and nobody wanted to have, and like, you boycotted the football because it was against the country and that was like not okay. And then he never worked, which is why, like, when Ben got hurt in the fall, I was like, bring back Kaepernick. It's like, yeah, Steelers aren't going to do that. But like, why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? You know, that's it. I mean, we can, there's so many levels to this and. We'll have you back. Yeah, there's so many levels to it, and I think that what I what I personally do, you know, in trying to stay sane, I guess, or just you know, um, because not as we talk about this, you know, all the things that folks, black folks, have to like personally deal with in this from this system in this country that has always been against us i am also a regular person with a fucking life right you know like i have family i have friends i have issues i have heartbreak i have you know i have all the same things that people that aren't black also deal with on a daily basis that they because of all those things they deal with they can't even think like oh shoot that happened like on top of all your shit mm-hmm then imagine all the things you can ignore because it doesn't affect you. Right. Right. And so that, that in itself is just like, it's a mind fuck if you ask me, but that is why, as I stated, like I am so, I'm my pride in being black now in this moment, I should say not now just because of time, but in this moment is just like, you're just gonna you're gonna get whatever I have to give, however I have to give it. Maybe a part of that is a little bit of the privilege in the space that I'm in, but I'm using that for all the people that will come behind me and after me and so that they can do more and have more. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to protect your energy. You know, you have to like be mindful of who's in your space because mm-hmm. like like you said, you have a life <laughs> and I think that like so does it feel to you that pe- that white people in particular will ever like I mean acknowledgement is an understanding so we can so start there, what ha- what has to what has to happen in a sense of like you know when you when you I've, I shared something like Germany you know in the Holocaust like you're always going to have people that are going to be against like true acknowledgement of uh doing wrong Mm -hmm. so you're always going to have that but the but what where we need to get to as a country is for that that group or isolation of people that should be that should be isolated Mm -hmm. that's what that should be those feelings and thoughts and those ideas of those systems should be isolated it shouldn't be what makes this country operate and it's Mm -hmm. that's that's the problem. This country literally operates off of the oppression of black and marginalized people. And that, as as yesterday was Juneteenth, and that is, you know, June 19th, 1865, you know, is the day that Emancipation Day for slaves, we still in 2020 aren't free. Well, exactly. And you brought up Juneteenth. I read something that was like, 
and that really wasn't even the day of freedom like in texas i think that's the day in texas that it found out it was two it was two and a half years before whenever lincoln gave the emancipation proclamation so what does that just say in and of itself Mm -hmm. if it can happen like it can't happen here but it can happen in this little pocket and that's like that's the connection with 2020 like we can't have this happening in the whole country yeah you know, and getting I, people elected is a huge. I think it's the number one goal in starting to move towards that. The last, the last State of the Union with uh, this current administration, you know, there was a camera pan of you know Congress, and I just, you know, a lot of people don't watch it, but for anyone who did watch it, and if that camera pan did not make you cringe. I cringed Mm -hmm. looking at the flood of old, white, wrinkled men that sat in that chamber. Mm -hmm. It literally, it made my skin crawl because you literally can see like it is that group that is literally moving the legislation that operates this country and and when i say moving they're not moving anything Mm -hmm. the same way the things we see like here happening in our state our current state legislature in pennsylvania hasn't really moved much productive laws to help with what we currently need they are literally operating business as usual which is horrible um as we're in the middle of a pandemic so federally well, and how did we end up with Biden? Do we have an answer to that? <laughs> because again, like if we're looking at historically like- But the oh. systems, mm-hmm. the system mm-hmm. that we are in. You know, I think there's a part of this country too when we just think about politics. Some people just, it is so ingrained in the fabric of this country that our president should be a white man. Yeah. Which is why after we had the one black man, we got a Trump after him. Like well, that's how emboldened- Google, I don't know what the exact name is. I have to look it up because I've been wanting to read it. But it goes through Google searches. And the author who wrote it said 100% could have predicted Trump getting elected after the Google searches that happened when Obama was elected. So there you have it. Like the people's like fear and misinformation and not like no experience leads to a huge misconception of this is my life my rights like and so everybody's got you know an uncle or two and i have one who will still send me stuff and i'm like you know what i'm gonna watch this it's gonna ruin the rest of my day (laughs) but i'm gonna watch because i want to understand like where are you coming from with this and it was like this white woman in the country speaking and she like because it had like the the flag wood behind her or whatever and she was like I, I am not racist, so I don't need people to tell me that I'm not racist to know that. And it's like, oh, dear God, like, so here's where we're starting. And then she went on to, like, go on and on about, this is how many police officers have killed black people. This is black-on-black crime. And it's like, oh, do you not understand systematic? Did she give white-on-white crime numbers, too? Because white, white people kill white people just as much as black people well, kill black people. and it's the system. Like, we were talking about the system is set up for that. Like, if you were in the same situation, like, don't, you're not in the same situation. And, and you kill the people that you live around. You're not just, well, let's be clear. Yeah. But the black people were out here just randomly killing white people all the time. This the way white people are out here just randomly killing black people. Right. We would be having a completely different conversation. 
So and in white communities too, a lot of it is like domestic violence, like at the hands of white men. Like the you know, if you look at like the the, true terrorists in this country are white men. (laughs) That's why I don't trust them. You have better luck with them than I do. But challenging these pockets is what is going to move people and like our our communities forward. Like we were talking about humanity. Like look look at our communities and our families. So right, and and that, but. Even to the people like your uncle, this country, you know, we do that. But I was just reading something yesterday about um, Columbus, Ohio. They're removing the Christopher Columbus statue. Really? Yes. And there's a petition going about changing, like, the name of Columbus. Like, these are things that could technically be done. Yeah. We can do those things because... I wonder, you know, everyone wants to hold on to this, like, oh, the Confederacy or, oh, that's our history. You want you want to allow people who literally terrorized mm-hmm. my ancestors and you want people that look like me to have to walk past, see the name, live on the street. You right. want us to consistently just be immersed in that. That is torture. Mm-hmm. And it's said all the time, thank goodness all black people want is peace and freedom. Thank goodness. Well, like you said, what is the even point of a statue? Just to, like, again, assert some sort of power over, like, for and at what degree? Because mentally, like you said, that's torture and it's trauma. It's chronic trauma. Like, and when you're living chronic trauma, like, your brain stays in a state that is... Nobody's operating at their optimal state. Like, actually, right now, thanks to the pandemic, I think nobody's operating in any sort of, like, functional state. It's it's And it's grief. It's like you're moving through these stages of Kubler-Ross did a disservice, I always say, like, of having, okay, you finish this, and then you move on to this. No, it's a spiral, and it's, like, shock. Like, is this even happening? How is this happening? Like, anger, depression, like, all of the feelings all at once multiple times a day. So I think it's hard to say that like all people act this way like it's very much on an individual level what mm-hmm. do you think yeah. yeah yeah there's no i don't think there's like a one size fits all for it it's ignorance mm-hmm. it all stems from ignorance it all stems from fear an oppressive system is 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 just that it's an oppressive system and this country never has rectified its oppressive system ways it has just uh, placed band-aids, flowers and things, you know, to try to make it smell better and right, to make it right. stop bleeding. But, you know. Put a band-aid on it. Mm-hmm. But now, like, the infection is now. Well, like, most people are never taught how to deal with and manage their emotions and the emotions of people around them. So this is, like, really new territory for a lot of people. And the more yeah. we normalize mental health, especially for men, especially for the black community, that we say... No, these things, like, you don't have to deal with it. You don't have to push it away. Like, you can you can have your experience. You can learn and, and grow from it. Like, it's going to be painful. And, uh, yeah, I think that's the part that people don't really get. We talked about... Um, but that's the same, too. And granted, you know, it's the complete other side of the spectrum. But I think that... Was it, was it you? Was it you and... Um, Katie and I talking about rural America. Like rural America is really 
Because, you know, it, they don't live in a city, you know? So mm-hmm. th- the perspective of living in rural America is completely different from, you know, the perspective of living in a city or out, outside of a city as a, you know, as a white person. Or I, I feel like I can't, like, explain it. But no matter what side of the spectrum you're on, it is your, it is your mental. It's your... It's your it's your mindset on how just what you've been exposed to and what you see and what you know. And people don't have those conversations. So before we no. started the podcast, we were talking about we want people having these conversations because, you know, quite often it'll be like, uh, say, you come over and we I think we talked about this, like you cut yourself in my kitchen. And I'm like, Ashley, go in the other room. Like you're making people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. We don't want to deal with your mess. Like mm-hmm. that's what people do with emotions. Mm-hmm. So it just, it never comes up. And mm-hmm. I think our generation has been the one to say like, this ends. <laughs> like we need to talk about this. We need to heal certain things. So I feel like that's, that's a good place to start. Yeah. It, it, it's definitely, I wish everybody would, talk to somebody but you also have to make sure your therapist isn't racist too mm-hmm. so because there you could be a racist and you could also be in right. <laughs> sitting at somebody's you know right and the level that, of trust i actually spoke with one of um my black clients because we've been together we just determined it 10 years wow and when we started meeting i was like she hates me like why oh why and i would go in like every hour and i'm like i'm just gonna take it like she hates me. She's going to challenge me. She's going to yell at me. She's going to tell me I'm white and blonde, and that's a fact. <laughs> you been getting therapy when you give it therapy, huh? Little bit. Little bit. <laughs> so then I was like, but she keeps coming back. Like, yeah. what? Like, maybe she just, like, likes to, like, beat on me, I guess. But no, and I asked her now, and she's like, there was something about you. I liked you. I don't know why, and I couldn't explain it, and I didn't want to trust you, because, like, trust is huge, and, like, I feel like we walk through life also thinking, like, I need evidence that my truth is real, so I'm looking for every way that you're gonna, and when the pandemic came out, she said, I'm not meeting with you over video, because you're gonna sit over there and roll your eyes at me, and I said, 10 years, come on, (laughs) But again, so I asked her very candidly, I'm like, what was it? And she was like, you never were like, we, and we would have, I I would bring up to her as I moved along in my career, because I was very new as a therapist. I had a diversity class, but like nobody ever taught me how to sit with somebody that was of a different ethnicity, like color, like nothing. That's a different, And I was like, and I said to her, do you know my supervisor was a white man? So like anytime he would just be like, well, if she doesn't want to meet with you, she won't come back. And I'm like, this is not helpful. But just to, like, really sit. And, like, she was like, you're... And we grow, hopefully, as therapists as we go through. Yeah. But, like, um, in our education, we don't get a lot of diversity. And, like, being in Pittsburgh would frustrate the hell out of me. Because I'm like, where are the black therapists? I want to hire diverse, more, a more diverse team. And it's just, like, the amount of obstacles because of systematic oppression that are in place don't afford a lot of black therapists and it's like so then I would turn around and get mad at the white therapist community like does nobody else care and like 
They don't. Some people don't care. Some they don't have do. to. Yeah. Some people really, and, really do. And there okay. is no, like I said, there's never a one size fits all. Even with all of my thoughts and opinions that I have, like, I am speaking for Ashley, right. this black woman. Exactly. I can't <laughs> speak for the next one because their whole life and perspective and how they view things is so different, you know? And even when you and I talk about me finding a therapist, like, you know, I, I, I find it interesting that you know, how our friendship has formed. And I'm like, oh, I love Christy. If I didn't become her friend, I should have just went to her to see. But you know, like, you've also been able to be a a, a resource to help me through that process. Right. And so that's, that's, that's it. And when, you know, you just share someone that you've been working with for 10 years, and in your mind, you're like, what? Hell, does she keep coming back? Cause she don't like me. Those were things that you, like you said, you grew through and learned, and right. now you're like, no, like you were growing and didn't even know it. That's why you were uncomfortable because you were growing as you were receiving exactly. whatever you were receiving in those moments. Exactly. And her and I talked. I said you would get so mad because she'd be like, I know what you're gonna say. I can have another therapist. I was like, you can. You were choosing to be here. So that's when I moved from Mercy to here. And she was like, I guess, and she was tired of being passed along. That was the thing, like, to all these therapists. And when I brought her here, I'm like, no, you can come. She's like, really? So then I'd be like, well, you're still choosing to come here. And she's like, I hate when you say that. Don't, I'm like, I'm just letting you know you have a choice. And then it came full circle because, I mean, trust is a huge thing in a lot of people's lives, like, with within the same race and other races. And, and I said, you know, trust it comes yep. full circle that... If you can trust me and work for 10 years, maybe you can start with somebody in your circle. And she was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll let you know. So, but no, I just love, and I think that part of my mentality as a new therapist, I just wanted to help people. And I yeah. just wanted to show up and like be there. And mm -hmm. then, and I feel like a lot of white clients, like Katie and I are going to be doing a, a group because mm -hmm. we feel like people should leave black people and people of color alone when trying to like navigate and figure this spirit like whatever yeah because this is a white people problem that they have to fix i love the meme that was going around of like you know i need white people to know that i don't want you to empathize with me for having to deal with racism i need you to do the work to fix it and like can you talk more about that like yeah, I mean, there's been a, you gotta love the internet. The internet is so <laughs> undefeated. Like, I, you know, I don't know what the hell we'd do in a pandemic if we didn't have the internet. Right? Like, what did they do in the 1900s when the flu hit? They built parks or whatever, Could but. Can you imagine like, if we did not have our Zoom calls? <laughs> what, what the hell? So. The internet, when all of, you know, pandemic hits, but then we get to this uprising because, you know, race and racism is still the, the biggest, you know, stain on this country. And so, dang it, I'm losing my thoughts. It's a lot of information and a lot of platforms there's a, there. Yeah, yeah, so there's, a, there's, there's so much, there's just, there's so much happening. So I love the internet and I love being able to see things to just kind of show like, as a black woman, I have, what I, I, I am going to spend every single day fighting for the rights and the freedom and the, 
betterment of all black people, black men, women, trans, if you black, I'm here for you. And that is just, you know, what it means to like be in this space and, and wanting to do the work to make things better for all people. But the actual issue of racism didn't come from us. We just want to live right? and be right? and do what we do. It is white people that have this issue, those who are racist and act on their racist and perpetuate these systems and utilize these systems when we talk about the Karens and, you know, the Karens vote for Obama too, mm -hmm. you know, so it's not even a party right. thing. It's not a, it's not a, I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, it's, I, not, but it's, right. it's a, you got some things that going on up in your head about other people that you don't know and you need to figure it out. And I, I'm okay with that until it starts to take away from me. Like, don't take away from me. And, like, I feel like people have a misconception about what that means. Actually, so Shaler is where I went to school and, like, I'm living now. And apparently there's been this petition that's gone around. Because there was a client talking to me. Her daughter's a senior this year. And they had, like, um, because they were, like, not having their graduation, they were featuring sports, like the player of the week. Mm -hmm. And she was like... They were, like, ignoring the women. Like, she's like, what are these white men <laughs> dealing? And, and so I feel like looking at school systems, and you've been involved in the school system, too. Like, we also have a lot of teachers that need to go. We have a lot of old ideas that need to go. And I guess that yesterday I just heard that, and I was like, put me on that because I'm a taxpayer, damn it. I don't have children. But, like, what happens in these schools matters. And the fact that, like, growing up, we didn't get a lot of, education like even somebody that i know that was in ap classes nothing so i feel like black um, history this country has not included black folks in its american history and that's the problem you well, know because you're missing out on some of the, the greatest things ever you yeah know I mean? and so, and some of the worst things ever too right, you right. know i mm -hmm. mean there's some kids that don't really believe that slaves were brought here forcefully on boats and and were savagely beaten and tr there are kids that don't know that mm -hmm. and that is the problem like th they should know that so that they know that is not mm -hmm. okay yeah, okay like yeah. it is just in in and, and it's horrible like what was it Ugh, i i wish you know i didn't and, say that, as but i was saying like greatest I there's was thinking, so like, many culturally speaking like when i was in seventh grade and i found like tony morrison and maya angelou i was like Oh my gosh, like just such a rich culture to like not even be aware of. So uh, yeah, I think that w at least within Shaler, there is a petition going around to like starting to make those changes for the upcoming school. And that's what has to happen too, you know, as a former school board director is coming out. Yeah. When we want to demand things, parents need to demand Parents and teachers unions maybe need to like get together. Yeah. Because the parents aren't satisfied and the teachers unions aren't satisfied. We've been in this pandemic and I think there may be a little bit of appreciation coming from both sides at this exactly, point. Right. And so parents and, and teachers unions, not teachers, teachers unions need to form some kind of coalition. I don't, not even a coalition, but just some, a table of understanding and conversation because, you know, we elect these you, you have a school board who is, is responsible for governing your your public school district. But 
there's also legalities that are involved in that. You know, as a, when I was a school board director, if I saw a teacher do something I didn't like, I can't just say what I want. Because if I do, they can sue me. And then when that teacher sues the school district, where's the money from the school district coming from? The community, mm-hmm. the residents, the taxpayers. That is their money. Anytime a district is sued and money is paid, that is the money of the community. And so, How often does that happen? It does. There's whenever someone mm. wants to file a lawsuit, we've we've. Mm. There's lots of lawsuits. So I guess I should say often. That's sad. And that's something People. I don't like. Again, like I don't have children. And so I mean, even those who do, are you paying attention? Let's right, pay attention and and because we're month. busy. There's this 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 country. This world is crazy. So parents are working. Parents are busy. I get it. But at some point, and I feel like right now is the time, we have to have these conversations where parents, guardians, because, you know, kids, whoever, parents and guardians, people, if you are responsible for a child, if you ain't responsible for a child, but you care and you got something to say, they and need you're to be. Your tax dollars. Yeah, they yeah. need. And if you pay rent, you're paying tax dollars. That needs to be. That's in. That is in your rent. Right. So whether you own property or not, you put money in there. So. They need to have conversations because they can't sue the parents. Mm. The parent, you, you are educating their children, so you right. can't sue the parents. And the parents need to hold the teachers and that system accountable. Mm-hmm. Because if the parents can, if the parents can hold them accountable, then they have they have to do what's right. Because then the parents can then go to the school board and be like, "Well, right. we we need to fix this," right. and that's. That's where how the line, like the checks and balances, needs to happen. I just lost it. I just lost it. I hate when thoughts do that. I have a question about like, okay, what about the districts? Like, what can be done about that from like systemic? Because there are like, I have friends who were counselors at Stowe Rocks. Here, teacher, you get two hundred dollars to provide art materials for however many students for the year. Like, it's just. It's insane, the, the lack of funding, and I know we'll probably be here another seven hours. So yeah, so, split it up. I'm, so I'm just, so this is, this is like, if I could say levels of how and who families and community members need to be aware of when it comes to their public school system. So yes. not only is it your school board, it's your school board, then your local state representative and your senator. So school districts are predominantly, you know, funded by property taxes, which is a is a problem, but that's a different conversation for a different day. So we're not gonna get into that, but they're 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 funded by the property taxes. But then there's lo- there's grants out here, there is um state funding, there's federal funding, which is why having a good federal administration with a secretary of education that knows about public education is is very important when we're Government, at the end of the day, is responsible for governing all people, period. And so there's inequities in governing all people, so that needs to be taken into consideration, but all people Mm -hmm. must be considered. So there's like that, the level. So your secretary of education, then you've got your, your, that's federal. And then you have your state, your governor, and then your state administration. So we have a secretary of education for Pennsylvania or Pennsylvania Department of Education where money is funneling down 
into the different uh, school districts for whatever, you know, in Wilkinsburg, we had some funding from the state because of our merger with PPS, you Mm -hmm. know, we're merged with Pittsburgh Public Schools. So that involves us having a a per diem. You pay per, each kid is a a fee. Mm -hmm. There's There's a dollar amount on each kid in your school. And then we have to talk about charter schools because charter schools are, you know, public schools. So the funding that charter schools gets a charter school gets, I should say, um, because families like, well, my kid don't even go to the public school. No, but that public school is still paying tuition fee for your kid to attend that public charter school. Mm-hmm. But the difference with the charter school is, one, they don't have union, teacher union. So then it's that, it's that private like organization of the charter school. And is it similar to an approved private school? Like, because I know, like, when school districts didn't want to pay for deaf kids to go to the school for the deaf, it was that they would rather, like, have certain, like, it wasn't necessarily the family's choice. You know, they would say, like, we can make this accessible. Yeah. Because there's, you know, we have kids in, that reside in our district that need to go to the school for the deaf or... Is it the Children's Institute? Yeah. You know, uh-huh. there's, you know, different spaces. Program. Yeah, for special education. And, but the public school pays for that. Right, right. So, and the transportation for that. And the transportation. So everyone isn't fully aware, like, well, I pay my taxes and why are they being increased? Because, listen, it's expensive. This, yeah. And people don't think about, you're also paying on the public school side the teacher's salary and pensions. So once people are retired, they're still paid into their 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 pension fund. Right. And so the district is maintaining that. And that well, and that's interesting like we were saying state by state, okay, district by district. So like so many parents have had such different experiences with this pandemic. And a lot mostly it was like nobody was prepared for this and then to the level of like and I know in our district like they never got online. Like so, and yeah, because Shaler teach- is that. That's not that's low income, isn't it? Um, mid like mid- it's moving up to like um North Allegheny or whatever. Okay, you know what but I, mean? I so, feel like when I was in school, Shaler was probably like middle class, but yeah. it was just predominantly white. Yes, exactly. That's still what it is. Yeah, middle class predominantly white. Yeah, and um, yeah, it was well. And my brother's kids go to Fox Chapel, and my niece had. Every Friday, I think they got on for an hour with their class. Like, so then you have parents, and I said to my brother, I said, are you getting any of the teacher's salary? Because you're, like, the brunt is being put on parents who are now working from home. And so I have a friend who teaches in New Jersey, and she, it was like three days into it or whatever, and she was like, oh, no, we we are online teaching our children from nine until three. So one of the local charter schools here, that's what they've been doing, too. They're one-to-one, meaning all kids have a, a tablet or a computer, mm-hmm. and they have had class. Not that all the kids have been, because that's the thing. You can't force participation, and some parents are like, that's what they do, and they're making that face. <laughs> and it's not that they don't want to, but parents and families have their own shit. Right. People, before a pandemic, there was still shit. And then, Life is hard. And then, and then my kids are home all day and I'm supposed to look. Some parents don't have it. That's my point of saying like on both ends, I think after this pandemic, there's a level of respect on both sides. Sure. And hopefully, and all of them aren't getting it because, you know, 
You also have situations where you have um, some educators who then think that all their kids are coming from poor homes and don't have nothing in mom. Meanwhile, they go home and life is good. They can't wait to get home. Right. Like, can I go back home? My mom is going to cook tonight and I can't wait to eat dinner. You know, like there's kids that that's their sure. life. And it just because your mindset is, oh, I'm in Wilkinsburg and everyone here is poor. We not all poor. No. We're not. You know, we might have a lot of neighbors that maybe, but I know a lot of two-parent households in Wilkinsburg. Mm -hmm. So that mindset has to leave. I remember what I was going to say. Go ahead. So we were talking about our kids and just going to school and the teachers. And I was talking about the Internet's undefeated. There was this meme that was saying, like, I know my kids, uh, since this pandemic's happened, nobody's been having stomach aches and needing to come home. And immediately you're like, you know, kids just making up something because they don't want to be in school no more. But then I was like, no. Think about kids who are in school and their teachers make them feel so sick. Mm-hmm. But they don't know how to communicate that mm-hmm. except to say my stomach hurts. Mm-hmm. Like that just like, as, as much as it was supposed to be funny, that broke my heart when I saw it. It's true. My nephew, when he was, he's seven now, when he was six, he said, my teacher hates me. My teacher hates me. And it was like, and so then it took a lot of talking with the teacher about, again, children are watching and kids have mental health issues too, because. And it's good he could come home and say, my teacher hates me, because imagine a kid that doesn't know how to say that. Exactly. That mm-hmm. instead of saying that, they act out. Oh, you don't like me? Well, I'm going to throw this chair across the room. Oh, you don't like me? I'm not going to shut up. Oh, you don't like me? I'm going to punch him in the face. Like, they're kids. They don't don't know how to manage these big feelings that they have. Right. Well, and that was always one of my frustrations being an educator was the lack of respect for mental health in education systems. It was like, they don't need to go to therapy. It's like... The kids I was working with were in Presley Ridge. Of course they need therapy. Oh, not from licensed therapists. Just being a counselor, like not even with a counseling degree is enough. It is not enough. And like the more, there was an article I read by a former police officer that said the majority of things that I dealt with could be handled by a highly skilled, specially trained social worker. Mm -hmm. And they're not like in the hospitals, they're overworked and they're not really compensated or like the social workers that I work with are the ones, like you said, being on the front lines and like, we've said this shit is crazy forever and nobody's listening. Like the hospitals, the schools, like all of it. So just thinking about like schools having security and everything do like, is there still a lack of emphasis on mental health? Because I've been out of education for like some time now. I always tell people, you know, my community in my school district does have a bad reputation, but I'll say over the past six to eight years, it has been on the incline. And if there was anything that I felt we needed to really focus on is cultural awareness, continued diversity training, because... Folks are well-meaning, but problematic as hell. And so we've got to stop that. We've got to stop just allowing and accepting, like... What do we tell, or what would you tell the well-meaning, but... You need to go and talk to somebody. You need some cultural... You need to have a con- You need to have bigger conversations. And it can't be, oh, my boyfriend's black, or right. my husband's black. 
just because you have a black spouse don't mean you're not racist or have not even that you are racist, but that you have cultural biases that you need to think through. Right. You know, we all do. If one person says that they don't, they're a liar. Because there's always more to be learned. I think yeah. that that's why we're As a black woman, too. I have cultural biases that I had to learn through and work through. And I'm still going to continue to learn through and work through because people are different. There's pe- What about the question that you get of, like, why have white friends? Do you get that question? No. Actually, what I get sometimes is people, like, will go to my mom, like, does Ashley like white people? And my mom is like... Yes, like what? Why would you? Well, I don't know. She just says a lot. She was like, "That's because my daughter's gonna be very straightforward about things when she doesn't agree with it." Right. But well, and people, in order to grow, need to hear that and can't say like, "Oh, I want to learn," but the moment it gets uncomfortable or that you have to face something and like sit with it or go talk to a therapist about mm-hmm. it, it's like, "No, okay, I've gone far enough." Like, mm-hmm. no, we don't need that, and we don't mm-hmm. need. The continuation of just like ignoring problems that have always been there but like you said there's a constructive way to go about that there yeah. are people who want to like learn and just need some patience we'll see how, yeah how and our i think goes. was it was it our county council that you know put legislation through like racism is a mental health issue literally that i said that line you're like wait stop you know record but like It really is a mental health issue for all parties involved. It's not like only one side needs help. We all need to have some continuous type of work in dealing with it and getting through it. I feel like as a black woman, a lot of the ways that we get through it and deal with it is art and just being um, how we express ourselves. But at the end of the day, everybody is affected in some way in their mental capacity. I I think I talked to a lot of different people who are in different spaces of this work to make our communities, like our communities outside our door, our states, our country. You know, I'm very thankful for the spaces where I'm connected to so many different people doing different parts of this work. But we all, while we do this work, need to make sure that we are taking care of our own mental health because it's hard. It is hard for all of us. too. Yes. The therapist too. Like, there was a girl, when I was talking about the community group that we've created, the community wellness collaborative of people who are working for social justice and not just saying, like, I just want to see my clients and go home. She is white, and she said, you know, I brought up in my graduate studies, I said, I would like to talk about the Trump administration and the effect that that has on the mental health, especially of, like, minority communities. And was told by her professor that would take too much time. Everywhere from, we need to fight that too. Like, what are the education programs training therapists? What, like me, brand new into the field with a white supervisor. Like, how do I do this? Like, I guess I'll just figure it out. We need to be, like, educating people and everybody working on finding those things. Because there's so much, that's the other thing about, like, the internet now. I feel like. Pop on Netflix. There's like a whole section now of shit you didn't know and that you will watch. And Listen, like, there's yeah. so much. There, if you if you say I don't have time, you are making an excuse. You're not living in this world right, pandemic world right now. You are making an excuse. Yeah. And it is your, whoever listens to this, because I don't know who listens to your show. It is your, it is your duty to yourself to make sure that 
who you really believe you are is what you're portraying to the world. Mm -hmm. Because you can sit and think, like you say, you know, there's these videos they watch where you can be like, I'm I'm not racist and I don't need you to tell me I'm, okay, got it. But do you really believe that? Because if you really believe that, you don't need to make a video to tell yourself that. Exactly. So... Doing this work is for yourself. You can pull everybody else out of it, but it's about doing the work for yourself because you want to, hopefully, unless you just aren't a good person, but because you want to like know that you're being human, but also just that like you're being authentically yourself and like making yourself happy. And I don't believe anyone is really making themselves happy by bringing someone else down, no matter what it's for. Exactly. You know, I, you're not making yourself happy. You are distracting yourself if you're doing that because you're not happy with yourself. Right. But if you're truly happy with yourself, you should hope that what you do in your life and how you operate, no matter what that looks like, that you are, you are not doing that on the backs of somebody else. And if that's if, if, if you're not doing that, then you're doing the work. Mm-hmm. But if, if there's an aspect of your life that requires someone else to not be good, you need to fix that mm-hmm. because that's that's not how this works. Yeah. Your your work should, if anything, make sure you're OK, but also not add to somebody else's plate. Like there's just there's a saying that says if you can't do good, at least don't do harm. Like, but I feel like everybody can do good. It might seem like the stupidest, smallest, most insignificant, this isn't going to make a difference good, but you can. And you can just, like, keep showing up and keep... We talk about it all the time, but we really only have one life. And I think that we'll go back to this pandemic, like, uncertainty. The things that I knew to be true were all off the table. And we didn't know what to expect or what... We still don't know what to expect no. or what to look forward to. No. But we know we have this day and we know we have like this opportunity to connect in ways that we never did before. And if we lose this opportunity, there was, um, do you remember the picture of the Syrian refugee, the little boy? That um, And I just think that that is such a testament. I look at that and I say, that raised people's awareness to a whole new level. And everybody was like, really? That just like brought something to me because it still pisses me off that we had kids in cages. Like I just, and I I get how politics works, but y'all better not ever let me get to the White House because if I do, can I be your therapist then? (laughs) I'll be I'm gonna have a whole team. I'm gonna have a whole team, okay? There's gonna be a whole team. Everybody gonna have some it's therapy. It's gonna be amazing. Exactly. From a human standpoint, like to say that's okay in this instance, it is not okay. And for me, like it's been a really easy line in my life to say we just have different values. Keep it moving. There are certain people that don't want to learn, and that's fine. And that's and we gotta move them job. to the isolated group. You know? Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Wait a minute. The isolated group's getting too big. Okay. Who we need? What we we'll need to see do? How that works out for you. And I know that. Like I know oh, I do this good work. I donate here and there. And like the things that happen in their personal lives, it's like we know, and I've talked to many people, like you know who those people are. Stop being complacent with them. Yep. I have a neighbor and now he's like really into like being really buttering up because I just don't even engage in him. It's like, yep, hi. It's like, oh, you don't want to come over? No, I'm good. I'm busy. Like, no, (laughs) 
I don't want to hear what you have to say. Like, and it's not because I can't learn from you. Because if I could, I would engage in that conversation. But there's no learning. Yep, you need to learn until you're ready to make that step. Hi, bye. Right. Like, no, that's that's literally what has to happen. I mean, I think that's not even, it's a part of this whole moving work. There's just so many so many different spaces and levels and things that need to happen. So everybody has a part. It might not look like mine and yeah. mine isn't going to look like yours, but we all have a part to play in making these changes. And let me tell you something. If I am a grandma and I still got to talk like this, y'all not going to like me. Y'all think grandmas now don't shut up. Oh, y'all, they really not going to like me. Because the way I'm not going to shut up is going to be for whatever my daughter and her generation needs to be said. That's exactly what I'm going to be saying. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is they need to be said is going to come out of my old ass mouth. However long God has me here, you yeah. know, because this is problematic. What we are witnessing is problematic, and I pray that this current uprising, we are literally in the, we are currently in the middle of uh, a turning point in our country. Like, we're going to turn away. I don't know which way we're going to turn. Mm -hmm. And there's a turn we can make that's going to scare the hell out of me. But there's a turn we can make that can be unfamiliar. Yeah. It can be uncomfortable. It can be different. But it can be what we need so that we can really be this true, what this country wants to say it is, right. you know, the same way Pittsburgh wants to be the most livable city, this country wants to for every be, for, person. for every person, this yeah. country wants to be the land of the free. Let's really be the land of the free, but it's going to take a lot of work. Absolutely. Well, and when we were talking about bringing up that picture it was like there was this outcry of americans like this can't be okay like and they were like the article i was reading was saying how amazing it was how much money was raised in a short amount of time and then it started to trickle down and then people started to lose focus so i think the most important takeaway for anybody listening here is don't lose focus and shake the fucking table and don't let it settle keep shaking it Shake and it, it. And if you need somebody to talk to you about, like Gretchen and I said on the last podcast when we were talking about this, reach out to us. Like, we want to be having these conversations. People will come into therapy and they'll be like, yeah, I really don't have anybody else to talk to you about this. It's like, well, I'd rather be, you and I are similar in trying to get all of the information. Yes. Be like, and that can be overwhelming, too, like, of just... How much can I, but I really want to understand from a point that I'm not giving wrong information. You know what I mean? And that's. It's okay to say, I don't know. I don't know everything. Phone friend. I phone friends all the time. Listen, I've, I've literally referenced Google a few times, but we just also reference like, you know what? Look, if we said something and we said Google, look it up yourself. Yes. You know, even listening to this isn't about fact. We're talking about how we feel. And it's our individual experiences yes but if we've sparked anything that makes you question something look it up it's out here the information is free you just got to look for it one other thing that i wanted to make sure to at least touch on today and we'll talk more too is that there are a ton of ways to be supportive of our local black business community mm -hmm. so and all of the entrepreneurs that really need support right now so, yes. did you bring me a list? I have, you know, I don't have a list, but if we're talking specifically about Pittsburgh, yeah. I am always going to reference people to... There's a... Cocopreneur. Oh, yes. Cocopreneur. 
Camille Scantling is her name. Yes. yes, I will talk about Coco Preneur. I'm pulling it up on my Facebook right now so I can because make sure I'm correct. Because you just me too because I was like, I need some food. Yeah, so Coco Preneur is, you know, she's an online black business directory for the greater Pittsburgh area. But through this pandemic, she has been doing a uh, black business relief fund for, you know, local businesses that have been affected by this pandemic because of all things that have gone through this pandemic. And so I do and want to... to business loans and yes. relief funds. Yes. And what has, um, yes. We're going to do a separate yes. podcast on that, but... Um, um, so I, if we want to talk Pittsburgh, I do want to shout her out as Coco Preneur, C-O-C-O-A-P-R-E-N-E-U-R, P-G-H on Facebook, um, just Coco Preneur on Instagram. The owner is Camille Scantling, and I love Camille. She's just dope. Like Camille had been, Camille came to Pittsburgh by way of University of Pittsburgh. I want to say back in two thousand five, and I met her maybe about three or four years ago and i love camille's energy she's from new jersey so she came to pittsburgh and she looked at just the black community and the business community i'll, I'll say not just the black community but the black business community and how much how disconnected it is and how the the more we work together and bring this collective of black businesses and knowing how we need to support one another um, helps everybody so she brought that energy into pittsburgh and when her and i met it's kind of like you know i don't know too many people that just be out here trying to shout everybody else out but camille was like ashley i was like camille like that's just I love her so much and um, appreciate the work that she brings to this city. She is such a value to this region and everything that needs to happen in Pittsburgh right now on the business front for black businesses. Um, you need people like Camille because it's work. You don't just open a business and things happen. You right. know, you right. have to put in the work and the resources aren't always available to the black community to make sure that that happens. So I'm always going to drive people to Cocopreneur and if there's anything past her she can guide you because she's her hands are in everything so wonderful yeah thank you so much for sharing you're welcome thank you so much for being here thank you for having I me i feel like we just opened uh okay we'll make a list of all of the things that we're gonna talk about next i know I've, i'm super open to do this you know i told you i love to talk so thank you so much love you love you Mwah. Thank you for listening to Conversations to Connect with Gretchen and Christy. If you like our show, want more information, and want to connect with us, go to our website at www.conversationstoconnect.com and follow us on Instagram. We hope this episode has given you some useful tips to create meaningful conversations in your life. If you feel like you would benefit from talking with a therapist, one resource is www.psychologytoday.com, or you can contact your insurance company. See you next time.